Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. Yeah, the disrespect. The disrespect. Oh, oh hello. Hey, Vosh, how are you? Hey, what's up? What's up, man? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. All right, you emailed me. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I just thought we could talk about Trumpism a little bit. I've listened to some of your conversations. Uh, my kids and friends of mine uh, talk, uh, listen to you. And, uh, you know, I just I just wanted to give you the, uh, the side of it that I see, which is that... You know, he's good for the country. Whatever happened was good for the country. I'm not saying he's great or anything. I'm saying what happened was good for the country in the long run. Okay. Um, I mean, that that is definitely a take. All right. So in, in what way do you think the country has been made better off because of Trump? So I look at, I look at Trump like chemo. He's like the nastiest platinum-based chemo you could want that's going to slough your whole intestinal mucosa. But in the end, you're getting rid of a cancer and... I just look at the cancer as the, you know, in, the, in this context, as the way the government's been running and the, the, the secret club that exists in the government and who they're serving and, um, you know, where they end up when they come out of government and, what secret you know, club? Uh, well, the secret club of the, well, now it's, now it's big tech and it's big money and it's the lobbyists and it's the Republicans and the Democrats. I think it's all, it's all been, I think it's actually a beautiful moment because it's all been exposed. But how, what, what group of people used to be in charge of the country that no longer are because of Trump? It's the same people. It's the same people that are in charge, but he's created such an, a degree of transparency that we, we've been able to see into the workings of the government. So he brought out the worst in everybody. And as a result of that, the general public, people like myself, who never cared about politics has been able to really see how dysfunctional the government is and, and who it really serves. Right. Well, I mean, I agree the government's dysfunctional. I would never disagree with that take. I just, it like Trump is like the epitome of that government dysfunction from the like obvious, um, fr from the obvious corruption that he's engaged in to the fact that he engages in like a regulatory capture where he appoints business people to the head of government institutions that compete with the industries they used to be a part of to the fact that he like lies constantly. I, I just, it seems like the government being bad is something that has only been cemented by his presidency. Like what positive changes have been made? Like what forward movement has there been, you know? So, so I, I look at it a little differently. I look at it as, you know, Trump is not a, he's not a lifetime politician. He's a business guy. He's a TV guy. He, he's a salesman, right? But Going back many, many years, he has had perspectives on the government that I think align with a lot of people's perspective of the dysfunction on government, like this last omnibus bill that was that they tried to push through, where you're putting $1.5 billion into wherever, China or Egypt, to fund some other war that's going to be in the future that's going to you know, put lots of money in lots of people's pockets. Did you Take, take that $1.5 billion and drop it on Chicago in the but, right way. You know, right? Right. So... America gives very little in foreign aid, but you know that when Donald Trump suggested alterations to that omnibus bill, he didn't actually like change the foreign aid. 
our foreign aid, like, those are obligations that are formed in the operation of our government and the agreements we make with others. I don't see any issue with it, as long as it's being done appropriately. But he didn't even make changes to it. He, like, bitched about it. But then when he, like, edited the omnibus bill, he didn't actually change the foreign aid parts. So it seems like it was just kind of a virtue signal, you know? I just don't see an issue with foreign aid. We give, like, 0.3% of our government's budget to it, which is way, way, way lower than, like, Norway and Sweden and other countries like that. Right, but we but we also have a lot of problems at home that we're not that are not being addressed. And why would you spend money overseas? All the military that's overseas, you know, I I agree with the fact that he's bringing, you know, he hasn't started a war. He's not a, and part of it is because he's just not a military guy. Right, well, he's, let's, he's not a, so on, on one point at a time because I agree with the military. Yeah, 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 we can okay. talk about that. But okay. with with regards to like funding our cities and stuff like that, Donald Trump has cut multiple government agencies that are responsible in part for addressing <laughs> things like that. He's accelerated deficit spending with massive tax cuts to the wealthy, and he's approved like the largest military expenditures in all of American or human history. So it seems like Donald Trump doesn't care very much about getting this money to the ailing American cities that he claims to care about. Uh, I, I kind of disagree. I think he does, but he thinks that the mechanisms by which that money is delivered is completely dysfunctional and just bloated and just doesn't work. I mean, yeah. I, I liked, like when Michael Bloomberg ran New York, I kind of, I, I liked his style. I liked the way he did things. He was a nuts and bolts guy. He, he you know, everything was dollars and cents and everything was very efficient. I liked, I, I could, I could handle Michael Bloomberg in, in a position like that. But the way that money gets thrown around to agencies that just don't know how to manage it without any accountability, Wait, but I think, I think it's a waste. Broken windows policing is an incredibly expensive policy that hasn't been proven to have meaningfully reduced crime in this country. Like, Bloomberg spent a ton of money on policing that only ended up furthering a lot of socioeconomic problems in New York. No, I understand. I'm just talking about his approach as far as... But his know, approach the, the was wasteful and fiscally irresponsible, in addition to being destructive to the neighborhoods that he policed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Rudy was much better. Rudy cleaned up the city a great deal, but I, I'm using... I'm using Michael Bloomberg as an example of a correction for how Trump's approach is. Right, but, Trump, but Trump's before. approach. So you, you say that you don't like you say that you like Trump because he opposed the omnibus bill, but he didn't actually oppose it like in reality because he didn't actually suggest any alterations to foreign aid. And in the way in which he complained about the omnibus bill, keeping money in America, he doesn't do that either because he's totally fine ramping up deficit spending without spending it on America. So it doesn't seem like this is an avenue where Trump has really improved the country. It seems like this is something he'll talk about for like political points, but he doesn't actually do anything about it, you know? Right. I, I think, you know, I think there are certain things that he cares about and he, and he, in his core, he believes is right. And there are certain things that he's doing to please the evangelicals in the base, like for the, the LGBT thing. I don't think, I don't think Trump has a social agenda. I think he's fine with LGBT. I think he supports it, but he has to play to his base. So he has to be on this. He has to be pro-life and he has to be do the LGBT, but, keep him on the army and all that. Why remove yeah. LGBT rights with two weeks left in his presidency after an election he lost? If he doesn't, if he's pro-LGBT, why would he strip their rights when he's not even going to be president anymore in two weeks? Like, that's right. a very weird Everybody time has... to be appealing to your... He didn't, like, he doesn't even right. publicly signal this. If this is a political move, he's not getting much out of it. The LGBT people who are hurt by it are getting, you know, quite a lot out of it in a negative sense. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I can't, I can't speak for him in that regard. You know, there's certain battles you win and there's certain battles you have to forego. And he had, he, you know, in but the end, it wasn't a battle. He made it a battle. It was already, it was already law to not discriminate against LGBT people. 
And then for no reason, with no impetus and no political pressure, he just removed that. It wasn't a battle that he had to lose to secure wins in other ways. He just chose to do it. Yeah, that's fine. And I don't and I don't agree with that then. You know, I don't, there's a lot of things I don't agree with Trump. I can't li for, I can't listen to him speak, for example. I, yeah, it's, I have to I mean, for my job. It's my, not my favorite part. But yeah, like, so what good has he done then? So when it comes to fiscal well, spending, it seems like he's not putting it in America. And when it comes to LGBT stuff, I, I don't know. Like, where's the good coming from? Well, I, I, you know, you can only accomplish so much. I mean, he's done. I, I think the country has to have a sense of integrity, and we've lost that. I think we, I think a country has to know where it begins and where it ends. And I think, it, you know, for example, I think the borders thing is is important. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure the wall is such a big deal, but I think it's important to have responsible immigration policy. Which, you think Trump you know, has improved we, the country's integrity? I think he has. Well, I, I think he's improved the sense of we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anybody else. Well, that's like that's like a feelings-based thing. I don't know. Like, you can argue maybe he's made Americans more selfish. I don't know if that's a testament to his greatness as a president necessarily, right? I mean, it's probably good for people to be selfless. That's like a Christian value, you know? Yeah, I mean, I th I think we, we have to take, there's a lot of people in this country we have to take care of, and I just, I don't think that the country has been very effective at it, and I think the, the government has yeah. really not been committed to it. Well, I, ag I agree with so, that, but I think Trump is like the number one example of that, who gives tax cuts to the wealthy, who defunds social programs, who like spends money on, on military expenditures, like... I like Trump is like the perfect example of a political candidate who doesn't seem to give a fuck about the American people, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have we're going to have to disagree on that point. But we have to I mean, disagree I, I, on empirics, I, don't we? Like you have to be able to provide a counter argument to that. Right. I, be, I believe a strong military is important, but I don't necessarily mean you have to go out and start smashing up other countries. Yeah, but as, as strong as the one we have, I mean, we spend more than like the next five countries combined. That seems really excessive. It's true, but we sh and we shouldn't be protecting the whole world, but we have to protect the country. Sure, but we're not protecting the country with the extra money we're putting in the military. Like, we're, like nobody's invading the United States. That's We have nuclear capabilities. We don't need this well, wealth to defend our borders. We need it to maintain our military bases around the world. And to Yeah, I mean, the argument strikes. could be made that we're being socially invaded. I mean, that is a different, that is a different topic, but wait, it's... How, yeah. what is a, wait, I don't know what that means, but what does military have to do with a social invasion? Well, I, I think the, mili the military has been strong and it will be strong and we will maintain strength, but, you know, maybe social invasion is another point, but... Um... We could probably cut our military budget down to a third of what it is currently, like scale back our military presence around the world and still be the strongest country on earth militarily, you know? Mm -hmm. Probably, probably could. Yeah, but wait, what do you mean by social invasion? Who's invading the country? Well, well, I think there's a lot of socialist influences on the country, like the Chinese, for example, have really been, you know, influencing the country and politicians, etc. I mean, America's like the number one global influence of every other country. So I agree that China and Russia both make efforts to influence American policy and social systems, but every major country does this to every other major country. That's just part yeah. of like the global ops game. But we do this more than anybody else. We're like number one in it, you know? Mm, uh, possibly, yeah. I might agree with you there. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I like, I guess like that we probably should make an effort to prevent our elections from being meddled in, like with what Russia attempted to do, or like if there are Chinese spies in the country, we can do something about that. But I don't, like, I don't know that just seems like a natural part of like big country reconnaissance and surveillance systems 
I don't know. It's very complicated. Yeah, you, you, I'm not, like, you mean election meddling? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I hope, I don't want that to be a normal part of life, but America has been doing that in the rest of the world for ages, and yeah, it seems like Russia did this in 2016. Do, and... do you do you think it's worth it to meddle to get Trump out of office? I don't think that's good. If we're to get Trump out of office, I think it should be through the will of the American people. Even if it was possible that we could like secure a win with like making a deal with China or something like that, I don't think that's a good way of settling our issues. Do you think? Do you think that uh, it's uh, it's a good idea to, you know, for example, the the supposed rigged election in California primary in uh, 2016 that put he basically gave California to Hillary because Bernie had no chance of beating Trump. Do you think that's a, would have been a good enough reason to keep Trump out of office? Well, the DNC primaries are just that primaries. There are. They're a part of a, a, a private process. The, they're not like a a part of the actual national electoral process. That's true, but, you know, set that aside. I for mean, if you're asking me if I like the DNC, like, I obviously don't. I mean, I do want the DNC's primary system to be reworked, of course, but I don't know if that necessarily reflects on, like, the relationship between foreign powers and American electoral interference, you know? Right. Whether or not it's a private organization, people that were voting in the primary, they thought that their vote counted just as much as anybody else's. And it, in fact, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Well, and as right. Wait, what, what does this right. have to do with like the actual electoral process, though? Well, because because that because that rationale was used four years ago to keep Trump out of office because they said there's no way that Bernie could be Trump head to head. And maybe that's true. And maybe it was it was just just a total fluke that Trump won. Well, but that I was just asking you if you thought that justified that something like that as a, as a, uh, a follow up question, if that justified keeping Trump out of I, office. I think the person who wins the most votes should be the the president. I, I can't speak right. to anything else. If there's like actual meddling in the election, I think that should be settled in investigations after the fact, which, of course, did happen with um, with Russiagate and with the, um, with the Comey uh, process and all that. And we arrived at our conclusions and it seems like Russia did uh influence the election and deliberately attempt to uh and that there were corrupt people in um trump's administration but trump himself did not like <clears throat> solicit aid so there was nothing impeachable there right yeah so i mean so, that's so that's the process right you know. yeah. right so this whole thing that happened last week was a complete disaster this tragedy this whole capital capital hill thing but and and you know it's it should never have happened again but if we can step back and get and talk about the reason it happened and the election, I think that's that's really a forgotten piece here. Not to condone anything, it was horrible and you know, law enforcement officers and you know our, our sacred buildings are violated. But I, I was watching you know, I was watching all of the kind of the uh, the election fraud hearings and online look look doing the mathematical stuff online and to me it was rigged completely beyond the shadow of a doubt. And you know, maybe some would say, well, you know what, it doesn't matter because everybody does it. But that is, I think, at the core of, of well, you're, one of the major You're describing the reason why it happened, right? If you're concerned with the reason, it's because people have, like, been misled into believing that the election was rigged. Um, no. Okay. Well, I mean, so I, I just want to say, if you actually believe the election was stolen, there are some, like, Trumpers who think that 
Trump got like 110 million votes and Biden got 30 million or something, which is it's insane. But there are people who believe that. If you actually believe that, then the subsequent belief that you should storm the Capitol and do anything possible to overturn the election results is a fairly rational belief. In your mind, you're saving democracy. The fact of the matter is, it's just the elect. There's no evidence that the election was rigged. So all of the subsequent like yammering is is not rooted in like a rational set of beliefs. We need to argue the empirics here because if you like presuppose the election was rigged, then you can justify a lot. Right, but the but the evidence was never heard. Well, yeah, it was. They had like fifty court cases. But they never heard evidence. They were all because there was um, no evidence. There there was no evidence to hear. They would show up in these court cases. Rudy Giuliani would say. I'm not alleging fraud, and then they would just fuck around for a couple of days until until things got settled. Like I'm just telling you, I've you know I'm pretty I'm a pretty I'm a pretty educated guy. I've got like four degrees, and I've watched this stuff from beginning to end. I've watched the hearings, I've watched the evidence, I've I've dissected the the YouTube videos of this guy Ed Solomon that shows this fractionation, how the whole thing was done. It's I mean it was done rather ingeniously, but there's in my mind there's no no question. That there was a there was a total fraud operation that was done with many many people involved, and but, each each person had a little piece of it. it. But I mean, so and there's a lot of people that feel like me, and maybe you know. Well, I agree, there are people who feel like you, which is very unfortunate. But like, what what evidence would you cite? I'm familiar with most of the conspiracy theories. It's possible that you're you know of some YouTube video that I haven't seen or I, that I don't have an answer to. But like, I mean, so many people like the the um. Department of Homeland Security chief has said that this was the most secure election in recent history. Um, with all the court cases that have like taken place, there's just no evidence seems to have come to light. The idea that this is a huge conspiracy that managed to like completely fuck over Trump, in spite of like all the support that he's gotten over the past four years, seems pretty unlikely compared to the idea that there just wasn't any fraud. Right, and that's because people despise Trump so much they're unwilling to look at the evidence, and the people that are against him. What evidence are they looking at? Well, if you if you look the algorithm for the way that the that the that the um, the election was stolen from a software standpoint has been deconstructed. I'm I'm that familiar I'm familiar with what you're about to say. So there's a numerical algorithm which states that a large sum of numbers um, generally has a pattern that arises when you look at the first number of every one in a given sequence. I remember this argument. This was one of the first ones that came up. I think like a mathematician at a university came out and explained in great detail how this doesn't apply and it's not even applicable to the situation. The no, it completely applies because the guy who deconstructed it is like the world's expert in this particular type of math. I, I and, don't and know so what you mean by that, but who. That's, but, the, but, the, but that's one piece of That's just one piece of it. There's multiple pieces to it. Well, if the one we, piece of it, yeah. So I'm just saying there should only ever be one piece to it. Generally no, no. speaking, There's... the way these cases work is you find one really compelling piece of evidence, and then you bring it and you bring it to court, and if there are no answers to it, you bring it further and further, and then it goes up to the Supreme Court. The issue is that like the Trump administration has taken a scattershot approach where they've fired a million random pieces of bullshit at the wall to try and get as much public support as possible. But you notice, in public, they will make incredible claims about fraud, but in the actual courtroom, they shut the fuck up because it's not legal to lie to a judge. So in the courtroom, all of a sudden it's, um, we're not alleging fraud. Um, no, we just want to have you hear our 6,000 affidavits. But out in public, they make ridiculous claims. The reason for this is because the evidence just isn't there. They're looking for a public like fundraising project. 
Trump raised well, hundreds why? of millions of no. dollars to pay down campaign debts. Half of all the money that went to the Stop the Steal fundraiser that he was going went to his campaign debts. Like, it was all a big grift. Right, so why are they hiding all the voting machines from electronic analysis? They're why not are they, hiding why? the voting machines for electronic analysis. Yeah, one, one set of machines got analyzed in uh, Antrim County, uh, uh, Michigan, and they saw that there was a software that was switching votes. That's the no, only they, time. they didn't, though. If there was actual evidence that software was switching votes, don't you think a journalist would have, like, caught on to it? This would be the biggest story in, like, American electoral which, history. Which journalist is going to step out? Someone from CNN or MSNBC? You, well, there are, independent, there are independent journalists. And also, what about, like... Um, uh, and they're all there. The Wall Street Journal doing... or The Economist or The Federalist. Like, there are plenty, like, you, this would be a Pulitzer winning paper. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to come out in books. It's all going to be described, but, you know, so. I'm sure there will be books about it, but why wouldn't a journalist break this story? Like, if it actually is the case that millions of votes were moved, this should be pretty easy to track. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts in this. Biden won by 7 million. If you really believe that Trump got more votes than Biden, then we're dealing with a kind you of have a, scale yeah, but that should so, have been detectable. So let me just ask you a basic question. This was also with the Atlantic, at the Atlanta election the other day. Why should someone, you know, have votes show up and then all of a sudden, two seconds later, they have like 20,000 votes less? Why should that ever happen? I'm not sure what you mean. They have votes show up, but like there's a sudden shift in. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you just watch like the, the CNN videotape from the election night, or even the, the election video from like the Atlanta, whatever the, the Georgia decision. Do you mean when the decision desk from Associated Press? Yeah. Yeah. As the tabulations are coming in, you see that the, the votes getting updated and one moment they're, you know, 225,000 and the next moment, the 205,000. Now, maybe there's a reason for that. But that also happened in other other occasions in the general election. Why should so, so like Trump votes suddenly happen? got deleted? Yes. Well, yeah. Well, or, or Purdue votes. Just take Purdue because or Trump votes. Yeah, Trump votes. Well, Why should that there, ever could, there could there could be a number of reasons for that. So first of all, okay. we're not talking about the actual tally. We're talking about the the press's report of that tally, which means that if there are any errors or any consolidation errors in particular, or if there are multiple journalists that are corroborating information and they find that there's actually an overlap in the segments or the jurisdictions that they cover numbers for, like there are many possible explanations. It could also, you know, be the case that there was just a legitimate typo. That does happen. That's what happened with the Associated uh, Press or Decision Desk HQ error that led to that wonderful graphic of the two snakes turning around where the you know, the Biden one suddenly jumps up at the last second. That wasn't actually from the electoral count. That was just from a decision desk error that was immediately corrected. And I mean, additionally, if you really think there's some grand conspiracy to fuck with this, like this should be trackable. All of these ballots um, like have um, uh, can, can be post-dated. Like you can find where they came from. You can track down these numbers. If it was a big conspiracy, why would they ever, ever, ever like let the 20,000 missing votes be reported, then delete them. Like, I don't know. That's pretty sus, right? Nobody, nobody, nobody's cared. Nobody cares. It's all happened and nobody's cared. Well, I mean, but they it, do it care. Wait, really but they anymore. storm the Capitol because they care. They clearly do care. Well, I, those people care. But the people in, in the mainstream media don't care and the government officials don't care. I feel, they like, just want to I feel like if the government officials were going to go far enough as to commit the greatest electoral crime in American history because they want Trump out, they would probably take the extra precaution of not being that obvious with their fraud. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think they care. Okay, I mean, I, I don't. Th I don't think they care because I think they the, the machine that they have is so enormous. It just yeah, doesn't well, matter. I wish they had also rigged the votes on the um on the congressional elections and the state legislator elections. That would have been. I wish they had gone all the way because we kind of got we kind of lost quite a bit of ground. Um, exactly. outside the Senate and what and the you presidency. Saw, what you saw in the congressional elections is what happened in the general election, but it basically just got defrauded. Damn. Um, I guess I'm just going to have to wait on evidence for and that. Then, right, right. And then, and then, so the other half of that is once you fix the numbers with the algorithm, then you have to stuff the ballots to match the numbers. That's the only way to do it. And that's just, where all the ballot stuffing came in. Well, but there was no ballot stuffing. What do you mean by ballot yeah. stuffing? Well, that means that's where you have like this 100,000... Ballots disappear in Pennsylvania, and just nobody knows where it is from the. Uh, that, that didn't was... happen. How could a hundred thousand ballots just disappear like that? Well, I asked the asked the, the uh, postal service truck driver who I... was who transported them. No, I have. It just where did it, you go? the thing you're describing didn't happen. Well, like like let me let me ask you, where did you get that story from? There was a. Um... There was a postal worker driver that was on, uh, comp, I don't know, it was the, um, I forget the name of the organization, but they had a, a press conference and they interviewed this guy who said he picked up a trailer full of ballots and drove them to Pennsylvania and they disappeared. Basically. Wait, so he was driving the them and the contents of his truck just vanished or? The whole truck vanished. The whole truck. Like finished. he he got out to to use the restroom and it vanished. No, he he parked it at the facility, and he came back the next morning to get his truck and it was gone. I so, I suppose I'd have to look at that. Do you? Yeah. So wait, if they have if the powers that be have the ability to just alter vote totals after the fact, why would they resort to such clumsy methods as trying to physically disappear? Uh. Because, because the, the ballots don't have people's the, the ballots don't have people's names on them. They're anonymous ballots. You can take any ballot from New York and you can ship it to Georgia and use the same ones. It doesn't matter. There's no once you take the ballots out, you can't connect them with the person that voted. Wait, no, that's not true. They're serialized. They there are numbers that you can you can track them. Yeah, but there's no names on them. Yeah, but there's no names. You, you no. Once yeah. you take them out of the envelope, there's no way, there's no, there's no they, serial they, number on the envelope can, that matches wait, the ballot. They can, they can be tracked, though. They can't. They, that's the whole beauty of the, that's the whole beauty of the ballot stuffing thing. Wait, no, you, you cannot track just it. because you don't have a signature doesn't mean that these ballot serial numbers can't be tracked back to the locations they were produced and distributed from. No one has ever looked at those ballot numbers yeah since, they are that's how you old. track them after they no longer have their signatures attached do you think the government uses your signature to identify you nobody can use it signatures aren't a means of identification they're like a a, a a formality nobody's signature is consistent enough to be registered into a hundred million person strong database of registered voters you use right, serial but numbers. right but the laws of the states require signature matching and that in many cases is not done the, the depends on depends on the state. Different states have yeah. different laws, uh, and different ballots too. Every state it's yeah. endowed in the Constitution is every state's right to manage their elections on their own terms. No, we we could we could probably talk about this whole election thing all night, and it's it doesn't really matter because it's over with. But this is you know I the way I feel. There's many people that feel the way I do, and I, I fortunately I had some time and I watched the whole thing. 
And I, you know, I'm an educated guy. I've got multiple degrees, so I can understand putting complex things together. And it just, um, I'm just sad over the whole thing. I'm sad for the country. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sad. I'm sad too. I wish people who supported Trump weren't, I guess, this easy to lead around with a carrot. I mean, I, I, I like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so earlier your claim was that Trump has made the country better. And I feel like we talked for a bit on that, but we were unable to substantiate a way in which he has. You said that there was socialist well, influence in the country. That's also no. something I'd like to talk about. Right. So I think that, that Trump, um, he, he's a disruptor. He disrupted a system that was, was, was dysfunctional and, and he wasn't supposed to be there. He was, we were supposed to live in our same little bubbles that we've always lived in and let the government go off and do whatever they do. And we, you know, like, like, you know, my dad is like almost 80 years old. He, all he said a few weeks ago is I just wanted to go back the way it was. And, and people just want to live in their bubbles. But, but, you know, and I was, I'm okay with that. I was always like that, but I can't not, I can't unsee what I've, what I've seen lately. But like which is, shitting you know, your pants in an elevator is destructive. I don't know if that's the same as, I don't know if that's the same as making the country better. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the country's dysfunctional and he's the chemo, and that that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I... I but, like, what what has he improved? Like, what policy or what, what thing has changed? Our country is in, is in a worse state than it's been in a very long time. There are people... We have gotten essentially no COVID relief, you know? The dark winter has come. People can, can't pay their rent. There are tons of people who can't pay their mortgage. Um, like there are people who are like out in the cold because they've been ousted. Like, like I, I just don't know. Like, how has our country been made better? I think people should be going back to work, not be hunkering down. Okay. I mean, I think I think you know people that are sick and people that are uh, symptomatic or testing positive should be wearing masks and should regardless be of what you want. The fact remains that our country is in tatters right now, and Trump is on his way out. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah, so what what was the benefit? What did we trade this for? What Trump... So, you know, I think he was unable to do a lot of the things he wanted to do because there was just so much, um, so much, you know, uh, against him. But I think in principle, he he was moving the country in the right direction. And what, that was to... With what? Like, t with what? Towards what? More, more, uh, more sense of, more sense of stability and integrity. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see Trump as a, I don't see, I don't see the president as a personality contest. I don't care, you know, I don't care if, if my, if my uh, cancer surgeon smells like daisies or smells like shit. He's less take stable than we were before by almost every metric, socially, politically, economically. And when it comes to integrity, like this is very much a subjective feeling, but I, I feel like America has somewhat less integrity than it did under Obama at the moment. Like, I don't think we've moved positively in that direction. Like, what, is, what has he actually done? If you take a look at, like, all the ways in which a president can affect the country, it seems like he hasn't done anything good, and in some ways he's, like, measurably hurt our country, either with deficit spending or with propagating the misinformation regarding the coup. Um, like, well, he can hasn't you name started a any wars. He hasn't started any wars. Okay, I mean, he, he escalated drone striking three times, postured war with Iran, attacked Soleimani in an Iraqi airport, and sunk foreign relations. He just declared Cuba a terrorist state. Um, so it seems like he hasn't been the best president for foreign policy. 
That's true. I mean, I think he wants to bring the troops home. Uh, I think that uh, he's made peace in the Middle East, which nobody's been able to do. How has he made peace in the Middle East right now? Well, Israel just made, you know, arrangements with four countries where they normalize relations. Yeah, Israel, but Israel wasn't at war with those countries. He just normalized relations with them. What about, like, what's going on in Yemen right now? Trump just made it so that, um, uh, 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 like, Yemeni's um, aid workers can no longer receive help from America because they were, like, associated with, like, a terrorist watch list. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there, there's there's a war going on in Yemen right now. It's a proxy war, right? So that it's, we it's support Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we support the Saudis. That's true. We do support the Saudis. And I think the Iranians are generally very bad actors. Yeah, the Saudis are, like, this, I would say the Saudis are probably significantly worse than the Iranians by, like, several orders of magnitude. Hmm, they're not threatening the world with nuclear weapons, though. Iran isn't either. Also, Trump got rid of the nuclear accords. Yeah, but they'll be back. How is that a point in Trump's favor? How is what a, a point in Trump's favor? Like, if they'll be back, shouldn't we have not gotten rid of them in the first place? We, we, we should have, I mean, it depends on what Joe, it depends on what, what the Biden administration does, but I, I, I do think that Iran needs to be prevented from getting nuclear weapons. But, but that's what Obama did. Why well, would Trump Obama get rid of that, Obama those accords? Didn't, Obama didn't do anything. He, he, he put it off for a little time. He dumped a bunch of cash on the front door. No, he, he, he didn't wait, he unfroze that country's assets that was their money. And he, he, the deal was working. Like, he got a lot of concessions with the, with the UN, like, investigators and with the United States investigators being able to inspect their facilities at any time. It's not easy to make nuclear weapons. You need above-ground facilities that are very present, you know? Yeah, that was a, that was a, a very bad deal. How? For everybody. Wait, how? Be, because it was, it was pacifying them. It was, not, it was not functional in the long term. It only gave them, like, 10 years to not develop nuclear weapons. Okay, we can wait 10 years for X number of billions of dollars in normalizing relationships and take extra money and pump it into terrorism in the Middle East, which is what they do. You realize Saudi Arabia exports significantly more terrorism to the Middle East than Iran does, right? Also, didn't well, we want to pacify them? Didn't we want to pacify Iran? Yeah, like, wouldn't that be preferable to them being super aggro with the U.S.? Well, pacifying Iran means that they're going to be taking all that extra money and pumping it into t different terror organizations in the Middle East, like Hezbollah, like like Hamas, like uh, the Houthi rebels in, I just, in Yemen. It's so weird Why that you're saying this relative that? to Saudi Arabia when Saudi literally funded 9-11. It's, it's weird that we're hearing about Iran. 9-11 yeah, like, is a whole different story. I mean, 9-11 was, was a disaster in and of itself. I still don't know what the hell happened there. With Sa but, Saudi uh, Arabia fu funded it. That's what happened. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. like, wait, how can we, how can we fearmonger about well, Iran funding? People in Saudi definitely were involved. This, in the sure Saudi, Saudi government Saudi was citizens. absolutely aware with what was going on there. They 100% knew. They don't give a fuck. And then Bush didn't give a fuck either, because we have no integrity as a nation. We will suck right. at Saudi Arabia's teat for more oil for as long as we want to. No. It doesn't give that, a fuck that, if they kill that. our citizens. It doesn't matter if they kill our journalists. It does not matter. No, that is, I, I, I agree with you that we have been kissing up to Saudi Arabia way too much because of the oil, but I think those days are 
almost beyond us, hopefully. I mean, are they? The journalist was butchered like just a couple of years ago. Trump did nothing about it. And we're still supporting Saudi Arabia in this Yemeni's proxy war. Why not support Iran or something? I don't know. No, be, we can't support Iran. That'd be a they're, fun they're change of pace. No, it's both of them are bad actors, but you know, I mean, I guess you got to pick the lesser of two evils. I, yeah, I don't like. Maybe we could just not support the Saudis. I would be down for that. Okay, but Trump does. So he's clearly uh, not a great arbiter of peace in the Trump, Middle East. Well, Trump and every other president. Yeah, in he's America pretty status quo. Yeah, he's pretty status quo. He definitely is pretty status quo there. But they're also very influential, and, and we're, you know, I mean, if we can normalize relations between Saudi and the other, some of the other countries, and even get Iran to be, you know, have a little more peaceful intentions, especially, for example, with Israel. You're not going to do that by backing out of nuclear deals, like, without precedent. That's not a good way. Yeah, well, I mean, that depends on what happens with the government there, but... Well, yeah, it depends uh, on whether or not we have presidents like Trump who will back out of deals like that for no reason. I mean, I, I completely support him pulling out of the Iran deal. I think it was a terrible idea, especially with them still threatening Israel. Wait, do you want... <laughs> that, yeah. Isn't, isn't limiting their nuclear capabilities good for Israel? It was just it was just tongue-in-cheek. That's all it was. It wasn't doing anything. Wait, but it... Okay. Can I, can I red-pill you on socialism? Do you think that's possible? Please. Okay. Can I, may I ask what your profession is? Or just generally? You don't have to be specific. Um, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. Alright. Oh, that's a rough one. Okay. Wouldn't it be cool as fuck if you and your based-ass co-workers could get together and they could make democratic decisions about how you manage your workplace and instead of taking all your orders from an autocratic system of managers who are appointed by some CEO who doesn't give a fuck about you or your working conditions. Wouldn't that be super cool? Well, I work in a highly regulated environment that is all that is all controlled globally. I mean, there's there's the, people don't make, you know, decisions on a lot of the things that we do um, just off the cuff, according to how they feel. It's everything is very regulated, and it has to be that way. And that's one of the reasons prescription drugs are so damn expensive. Who gives the orders? They're, it's regulated, basically. It's highly regulated. All the documents, everything is regulated. Sure, but even if there are regulations, wouldn't it be preferable for you to have a democratic say in how your workplace is managed? I mean, if there are regulations, oh, no. that limits your behavior, certainly, but that's not the same as the orders that you receive from, from on top. Um, well, whatever orders I receive, I pretty much, I pretty much follow, and, and part of that is out of um, you know, knowing that I'm in a regulated industry and part of it is, you know, fear of economic insecurity. I mean, there's, there's, there's various reasons why, so you know, you have to... You're okay with taking orders undemocratically because you fear poverty otherwise? Um, well, I think it, it has, to some extent, has to do with faith in the people that you that you are aligning yourself with. If you believe in the people that you're aligning yourself with, then you can trust that those people will take care of you. Sure, but do you, do you trust your boss? I mean, I've had good bosses, not in the pharmaceutical industry, I mean, but I've, when I worked retail and stuff. I trust bosses my well. boss. You trust your boss, okay. So I trust my boss and I consider him one of my one of my greatest confidants. What, what I, if he I, started- Not only do I trust him, but I respect him immensely. You don't want to be your own boss? 
I, I, I've been my own boss. Um, maybe I'll be my own boss again. But um, right now, I work in a large organization that whereby we have everybody. You know, the the CEO of the company is the the one with the most accountability of anybody, and that's the way it should be. Sure. Yeah. But that, what if the what if you elected your CEO? Well, some people he, they get elected. I mean, you know, this a small group of people elect them, but well, a that, lot of times that's not really democracy, then, right? I mean, if a CEO is being well, there's, appointed there's by corporate. the shareholders, that's not really the same as it being democratically voted on by the workers. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's there's a, a, a small group of people that that nominate uh, C, um, you know CEOs and chairmen of the board, and and a lot of that has to do with with corporate culture, and it has to do with the country that you live in. Um, and it has to do with, you know, uh, you know, tenure and, and it's a lot of times it's, it's performance driven. It's, it's, a, you know, a lot of time it's merit, meritocracy gets you, um, where you need to be. Sure. But it's not a democracy to... though. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not a big fan of monarchies out here in like, uh, in the, in the sort of general mind space, because I like the fact no. that when I take orders from people, I have a say in them being there that i that i have some sort of i have degree of participation in the system you know regardless of your feelings on that and it's fine you have your workplace and nothing wrong with that what issues do you have with socialism if another workplace wanted to be more democratic would you necessarily take issue with that earlier you sounded worried about socialism well i think socialism um i, I think that we i think that socialism needs to function and socialism is a responsibility of everybody Everybody has to has to have a part in taking care of the people around that are not as well off or, or disadvantaged. I think it's everyone's responsibility. Sure, but and isn't I, don't, something... I don't think that the government should try to hijack that and take it on as their responsibility. I think that's very dangerous. Well, in, in what way? I mean, obviously, the government manages the roads. This is probably preferable to every individual laying their own roadways, yes? Yes, I think, you know, infrastructure, certainly, but when you start talking about, you know, um, you know, welfare payments, for example, or food stamps, well, that, or... I don't um, mean that massive, when I say socialism. I'm not, I'm not talking about the government doing stuff. That's not what I mean when I say socialism. There are capitalism. Well, for me, it would be democratic ownership of workplaces, along with selective decommodification of certain industries like healthcare. But I do I, think I, welfare payments are also no, good. I, I, th I could go, I mean, democratic, you know, organizations, I think, democratic workplaces, I think, you know, there's there's definitely been a th some flattening out of organizations. And, you know, so you should be able to go talk to anybody you want to, and everybody should have participatory say. I don't, I don't think they're as top-down driven as, as a lot of organizations as they used to be. I think there are some worker cooperatives that make video games that I'm a big fan of. Some small industries that I, yeah, I, yeah, you know, can be selectively useful. Maybe we can expand it a little bit. Um, though the decommodification thing, I mean, healthcare, I do think should be run by the state, for example. I do think there should be a strong social safety net, welfare. Um, though that's not necessarily socialism. I do if, think if it could be done part. well, if it could be done well, it could be, it could be done. If it's done poorly, it's a disaster. If it's done well, it, it, could, it really needs to be efficient and done well because healthcare is enormously expensive. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. In America, it's done terribly. I think that of every major country on earth or every like democratized Western power, we have the worst ratio of money put into our healthcare system versus, um, versus outcome. Like we, we do the absolute worst. So even countries with very, very, very strong socialized uh, healthcare like Norway, 
um, are more efficient than America is because of our bloated insurance system and our, you know, multi-tiered um, hospital bill payments and what have you. The insurance system is a disaster. I mean, this whole, you know, not being able to buy insurance across state lines and all this stuff is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's a stranglehold. The middle the middleman has taken over the whole system, and that started back in the probably the late 80s, early 90s, when when the you know the health insurance started taking over. But that was, you know, because the, doctors they just want to practice medicine. They don't want to be involved in in you know the financial pieces. And oh this yeah, is doctors. What doctors don't give a shit about any of the particulars of the insurance company. In fact, very often they feel like pressured by it because doctors, for one, don't like feeling as though they're a part of an unethical system. And sometimes they get like the hospitals get like pressured into certain types of dealings or payment structures because they rely on the existence of the insurance agencies. And it's a whole complicated mess. But the only people that are doing any real work there are the doctors and the nurses yeah. and the receptionists. Obviously, there's like infrastructure, but those are the people who are doing the actual work. Yeah, now the doctors have to spend 25 or 30% of their time filling out coding forms and doing, you know, quality assurance and, and utilization management that, that provide absolutely no value to patients at all. It's it's really bad. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, th these are, I'd say these are arguments for Medicare for all, like what Bernie Sanders proposes. If you don't have, if you only have like one healthcare plan that's provided by the government, everyone uses the same one, you cut out a huge amount of bloat. There's no longer like this necessary infrastructure because... You, you no longer have this divisive system of differential insurance and, and what have you, you know? Yeah, I mean, you you could take all the middlemen out and all the health insurance carriers out and you can just replace it with a computer system and you can give the, you can compensate the doctors way better and get much better care, a much better organized system. Yeah, people say I mean, doctors would be paid less under Medicare for All, but if anything, all the excess money that's not being paid towards the insurance industry would probably open up quite a bit of economic opportunity elsewhere, you know? Yeah, well, there's not enough doctors to go around. You see a lot of nurse practitioners and physician assistants doing a lot of the work right now, and it's really hard to see a doctor. And it, it's hard to get good care. I mean, even for those people that have doctors in the family, it's very hard to find a good doctor for the family. If you don't know a doctor, if you don't have a doctor in the family, or you don't, if you don't have a good friend that's a doctor, you can be absolutely screwed so many times over by going to the hospitals in the United States. It's really, it's really bad. Yeah, especially you, in rural areas. Like when, when I went to college up in Northern California with really, really small towns, um, they, uh, the, the medical coverage was incredibly lackluster where there was like two dentists, period, <laughs> within like driving area, one psychologist and like a couple of doctors. If you wanted an appointment, you'd get booked months out. And very often, sometimes these doctors weren't even that good. Like these are just the ones that were around. I feel like a lot of the problem that we have, in addition to us probably just not putting enough effort into our healthcare infrastructure, is the fact that um, very often, because healthcare is so expensive, we avoid getting preventative care. And down the line, we have no choice but to accept like treatment for conditions that we could have treated much cheaper earlier in life, you know? Better to get that like rash looked at than to deal with melanoma stage two, you know, two years down the line. Yeah, I mean, that's that preventive, you know, obviously, that's the ideal is to prevent everything and ounce of prevention, right? But, you know, the bottom line is we have, you know, we have, we have a lot of, we, we, we still need a lot of money in, in research, we still need a lot of, a lot of pharmaceuticals made to that are going to probably cure future cancer, etc. But I think prevention is an ideal, but a lot of people, they don't, People that are people that are are working and living hand to mouth, they, they can't take good care of themselves. They're eating crap food and ramen noodles and all this stuff and and all this all this all this carbohydrates that the, the food industry is pushing into your system. Mm -hmm. That stuff is garbage, man. 
that, that is that is that is the way we ruin our health is by by you know letting the food industry drive food into our systems i mean there needs to be i'm on the i'm actually i do the i do the one meal a day diet so i only eat dinner every day and i feel a thousand percent better but i, I look at these i look at you know, the way my diet used to be and that's that's how you that's how you destroy your health and end up you know with diabetes and all these things and hypertension how does that really, work out for you the warrior diet i've heard about i've heard about the <clears> memes but i haven't done it myself I love it. I mean, I, I love it. That and that and ice cold showers have changed my life. And, you know, so in fact, I was I was actually going to hold off on eating until I got off the phone with you. I didn't know how, you know, because because I get when I get full, I get really tired. But um, I, I have I have better energy levels on the one one meal a day diet than I do eating two or three meals a day. Uh, yeah, I just I feel I feel wonderful. What whatever works. I'm not a um, I'm not a nutritionist. I cannot cannot officially comment on the veracity of this or any other diet. Um, we are up at about an hour, which means that I should yep, probably yep. fulfill my stream obligation and actually play Amnesia um, yep. Rebirth. No, no, I, I appreciate your time, Bosh. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I, I'm coming away with, with some new insights and a lot, to, a lot to think about as well, so I really appreciate you giving me I appreciate you coming on, seriously. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, be well. Uh, have a wonderful day, and whether or not you've eaten or will eat, I hope it's a delicious meal, the next one that you get. Thanks, Vash. Good talking to you. Take care of yourself, my friend. Be well. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.